Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, you, the one who tuned into the Pin Pals podcast. Are you looking to get custom pins made super easy? Are you new to the pin game and don't know where to start? Perhaps you don't even know the difference between soft enamel and hard enamel. Or maybe you're a polished pin maker, you've been in the game for a while, but your current manufacturer just isn't cutting it. Well, I got some good news for you. My friends over at Your Stuff Made can help make you custom pins. They are wizards at this kind of stuff. They work under strict ethical guidelines so you know your pins are being produced clean and safe for the environment. Their team actually cares about what they make. And best of all, they're not a middleman. They have direct access and control over tools, machinery, and resources needed to make enamel pins. So this means super low costs and fast shipping times. They are the real deal. And speaking of deals, you know where I'm going with this. I got one for you. If you order custom pins from Your Stuff Made, you can save 10% off your entire order. And with this inflation going crazy these days, 10% can be huge. Especially if you're new to the pin game, every dollar counts. So all you have to do is visit yourstuffmade.com, fill out a quote, and under the referral section, select the Pin Pals podcast. That'll tell them that I sent you, and that's how you get 10% off all your custom pin orders. Once again, the place to be is yourstuffmade.com. Let them know the Pin Pals podcast sent you. So, what are you waiting for? Start creating today. Welcome back to the Pin Pals Podcast, the podcast by pin makers for pin makers. I'm your host, Eric from Warrior Pins, and as always, thanks for joining me. Quick shout out to my Buy Me a Coffee crew. Love you guys. Thank you always, always, always for the support. Much appreciated. So, I am back from California where I drank way too many iced matcha lattes and spent the weekend vending at Patches and Pins Expo in Anaheim and speaking at an enamel pin panel at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm exhausted just remembering all of that stuff. It was a jam-packed like four or five days. Definitely deserves some of those beach days that I posted about on the stories and whatnot. But uh, first, Patches and Pins Expo, great time. You know, you know, conversations here in the podcast. It has been a long time goal of mine to be able to vend out there on the West Coast and I finally did it, and it was a great experience. I want to give a shout out to all my pin pals who were in attendance. Vinpin, Express Yourself, Data Crew, Nostalgia Vault, Miss Pinny, and uh, my man Otherworld. It was cool getting to see everyone in person, getting to experience what you know the West Coast pin community is like, and uh, definitely a rad memory that I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. Now, about the panel at San Diego Comic-Con. Oof. First of all, let's not beat around the bush. The title of this episode is the name of the panel, so you are getting the panel in its entirety for this episode. How about that for delivering some value? <laughs> um, so the panel's called Enamel Pins Creating Collectibles. Our host was Alex from Pop Culture Cool, and the panel featured seven pin makers. Uh, Phil from Cool Electric Creations, who was on the podcast, Miguel one half of BB Create, who was also on the podcast. Uh, Jackie from Lantern Pins, not on the podcast, but she will be on the podcast. Chris from Blank Slate Pins, not on the podcast, will be on the podcast. Erical from Punch It Chewy Press, not on the podcast, will be on the podcast. Jessica from Kimchi Creative, not on the podcast, will definitely be on the podcast. And myself, always on the podcast. <laughs> 
The official description for our panel reads as follows. Do you love enamel pins? These little pieces of wearable art are all the rage among millions of fans around the world. Have you ever thought about turning your art into this popular form of collectible? This panel of creators discusses how to transform your work into an awesome enamel pin. From concept to manufacturing, they will share tips and tricks on the ways you can produce your own pins. It was a really cool experience and I just want to thank everyone at the panel and in attendance for making this truly a once in a lifetime experience. The, the, the pin gods keep delivering these incredible experiences and memories and I'm just so grateful to be present and to be able to enjoy stuff like this. So uh, without further ado, enjoy the panel in its entirety, Enamel Pins, Creating Collectibles. All right, thanks for coming out everybody. This is the Enamel Pins, Creating Collectibles panel. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the way you can turn your art into an enamel pin for With us today are several professionals and creators who do enamel pins, and we'd like to introduce you to them now. Hi, I'm Phil Palumbo. My company is Collective Creations. I specialize in pop culture, fandom, fantasy pins. Hi, I'm Jackie from Lisbach. I am uh, with Lantern Pins. I also do a lot of pop culture stuff and other accessories as well. Hi, uh, Chris Provenzano. I do, my company's called Blank Slate, and same thing. Do pop culture, uh, focusing on Star Wars is one of my big ones. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm from Kimchi Creative, creative with a K. Um, I do a lot of fandom-based stuff, no matter what the fandom may be. My name is Eric Roman, uh, owner of Warrior Pins, also specializing in pop culture pins, um, but mainly like Ninja Turtle-inspired pins. Uh, my name is Eric Kelkaloyan. I'm uh, one half of Punch It Chewy Press, and uh, the other half is my other half, uh, Bella. <laughs> and we, I'm pretty much a... Uh, Star Wars fan artist. Uh, I love the wearable art medium. It's, I wouldn't, I'd rather, uh, there's nothing I'd rather do. <laughs> Sweet. Hello everyone. Uh, my name is Miguel Rizuela. I am one half of BB Create. Um, and primarily we do Star Wars fandoms uh, as well as anime, uh, Harry Potter, and video games, and so much more. <laughs> and then uh, I own Pop Culture Cool, which I, focus on different aspects of pop culture, usually arcade ones, but still, nonetheless. Um, I want to talk to some of the creators about how long have you been producing your pins and about how many styles have you created so far? Let's start with Bill, you want to go? Yeah, I've been doing this for five years, and I would say that I probably have about um, about a hundred or you know, about a little over a hundred uh, designs that I've done since uh, those five years. I've been doing pins for about six years now, and I have probably about 300 or so designs. About five years, and it's weird because a lot of us started right around the same time, yeah. so we all kind of started knowing each other, yeah. and uh, yeah. been <laughs> probably have about 100 pin designs. I, I think I'm the baby. I, I <laughs> I've been doing it about three years, um, but I think I have maybe about 40 designs. I think we're going on six years, seven years, next year, and uh, definitely over 100 designs. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot of molds. <laughs> yeah, uh, we just celebrated our six-year anniversary, uh, and uh, uh, definitely a couple hundred designs. Um, we 
It's, you, can, you can visit booth 1134 to see all our pins. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, we are here. Uh, so we've been doing this for six and a half years, and I've done probably about a thousand designs with my partner. Yeah. That's crazy that no one here has been doing this longer than a decade, but you've all exceed, uh, made some kind of success with this, where you're doing it as, you've turned it into a hobby, or maybe you started as a hobby, and now you're doing it as a business. These people are primarily interested, I assume, in creating their, turning their art into these pins. Well, well, let's start at the beginning. Can you, somebody want to talk a little bit about the differences in pins? What different styles are there in pins, like uh, hard enamel versus soft enamel? Um, those type of things. So, I mean, there are different style pins, um, and along the way of, you know, my whole uh, journey, I've learned about, you know, different styles and different ways of doing pins. Um, you know, after the panel, if you guys want to hang out, uh, I can show you different styles of pins. Um, definitely, or we'll give some away to you guys as well. I brought some to give away. But, you know, uh, hard enamel will be, you know, flat surface on top, um, nice and smooth. Um, then, you know, soft enamel, you know, kind of uh, has like like a, like a 2D, 3D texture to it, you know? Um, so it's enamel fill, so it's not all the way up to the top like a hard enamel pin. And, um, I've been doing a lot of 3D molds lately, and that's just like three-dimensional pin, which is really cool. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of different styles. You guys have one of you can in? you can actually even get an epoxy coat on your soft enamel to give it that hard enamel feel. Right. Yeah. And they can screen print on top of that as well. Yeah, yeah, I got a couple pins like that as well, which is true. So again, so when you're doing a soft enamel pin. Um, you know, the black outline or whatever color outline that you have, which is the metal, they fill in uh, the colors with enamel and then they put a clear epoxy on top of that, which makes it smooth and you're able to do a screen printing process on top of that, which is really cool. So, you know, when I first started, I thought that, you know, soft enamel, just the metal and the enamel, that was it, that's all you could do. But, you know, uh, you learn that you could do some really cool printing to add more detail to that pin. Yeah, and just to add to that, there's a lot of other cool, yeah. like, premium features. Like, you can go into making glow-in-the-dark pins. You can get pearlescent finishes on your pins. There's just, yeah, the yeah, possibilities yeah, are endless. Yeah. So, yeah. For you that want to bling it out, you can do glitter on the pins as well. And that's just, like, the, the enamel part of itself. Like, you can also uh, mess around with different kinds of plating. Like, you can get rainbow plating on your pins. You can, uh, gold, like, matte finishes. There's a lot of cool different ways to uh, bring art to life through pins. Yeah, if you go online, you could actually see the different uh, textures and metals that you could use for enamel pins. There's, you know, uh, nickel, antique nickel, gold, antique gold, and it keeps going on bronze. Um, but yeah, Eric said that the, the rainbow is really cool, the iridescent. Um, I've done a, um, I've done a three D pin with that. You know, it was really cool. Um, but there are a lot of metals. Um, I usually use with black though, but there are there are a lot. <laughs> So you guys have uh, gave them kind of like an introduction. You give, you've talked about all the different kinds of pins that they can be doing. Uh, Miguel, when you first started, what made you decide to turn your art into an enamel pin? Uh, for me, uh, it's so I, as a professional, I have a full-time job. So my full-time job, I am a I have my PhD in clinical, clinical psychology, and I work in the hospital setting. And I've always wore lapel pins, no matter where they're from. Flags, I usually like to pick up flags if I'm going to different cities. Um, or just like my dad, uh, like to pick up like, just like military like designs or anything like that, which is given to me. So I would wear lapel pins on my lapel on a suit. And I work with primarily with children. So when they would see these things, they're like, oh, that's cool. You like, 
you know, like you've been to, you know, like um, Arizona or whatever it is. And I'd be like, yeah. And then I started seeing um, independent artists do like really cool, like mashup designs. And I primarily do a lot of mashup art. Like I like to combine two worlds into one. Um, so I started buying little ones here and there. And then I was like, I, I mean, I could draw. And um, my, my buddy, Mike, who's the other half of BB Create, you know, we've known each other for 30 years plus. We've been uh, high school buddies. Um, and, you know, he's always been a great artist. So when um, we, were, we were meeting up and I had a lapel pin uh, on me, and he goes, oh, you, you collect lapel pins? I go, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm interested in making some. And I had this really dumb design of uh, BB-8 and uh, Bomb-Omb together, the Bomb-Omb from Super Mario Brothers, and I just had the, the head and on top of the body, and I was like, I did this, and he's like, okay, let's make it into a pin, and I was like, all right, cool, you know, so that's how it started, and then one turned to two, used that money, two turned into four, four turned into eight, and then we just started just putting in everything so I could have just different lapel pins for myself, and people were interested in that, and I was like, all right, let's keep making more. So we made a lot, a lot. So yeah, that's how I got it. And now you have a booth at Comic-Con. Yes, <laughs> that, which is a dream come true. That is something, wow, yeah. Were you, uh, Jessica, were you a big fan of uh, collecting pins as well before you became a professional at it? I actually didn't collect pins at all until I started making them. I was primarily like a print purchaser, but um, I move a lot in my life and I started realizing I, it's hard to take prints with you. Also, like there's only so much wall space you can have so pins were like a lot more friendly in doing that so once I started making them I started doing t-shirts with a friend um, and then I moved to LA and as you guys probably know apartments are a lot tinier here so doing t-shirts with different sizes and multiple quantities of different designs is like not room friendly um, so my friend suggested to me like why don't you do an enamel pin one size fits all and I was like there you are. So <laughs> I, I kind of like transitioned from t-shirts to enamel pins at that time. But when I started making them, I started collecting them too because they're just lighter. Like if you go to convention, you can literally buy 50 of them. Like they just fit my lifestyle like a lot better. So it's my new souvenir. Are you a pre uh, uh, collector as well or no? Uh, I was um, very much so like a bunch of these find people on the panel. Um, growing up, I used to go to Disney World, Disneyland, all that fun stuff, so would see all the pins there and would bug my parents to get me all the, the goofy pins. The goofy was, was my thing, so I had goofy pins all over my lanyard. Then it kind of fell out of it, you know, grew up a little bit, found the pins in, um, I don't know, in the attic or something like that. I'm like, oh, these are cool, and just kind of started wondering, oh, I wonder if uh, I can kind of make them, and just from there started warrior pins, but yeah. Disney pins started it all. <laughs> it's been Disney pins. I know yeah. I have a pretty huge collection of Alice in Wonderland ones. Uh, Chris, you so you designed the art. Now, what was your first step into getting it manufactured? Oh, I'm lucky. I work in uh, design as my day job. So the pin world is just kind of a side hustle. And knowing how design kind of gets manufactured into certain things helped a lot. So the research kind of came easy, just trying to look up some different manufacturers. And I'm actually with the same manufacturer I started with five years ago. I have not changed. And I probably, that's yeah, that's out of everyone here, yeah. that's <laughs> rare. It's a rare. I might be the only one. So. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a challenge is to find a manufacturer that you really have a good relationship with that does a really good work 
Um, well, you, you pretty much go through a lot, right? I, I do. I went through a lot, yeah. And um, so, you know, when I first started, actually, you know, this is my brother here, Alex, and I went to him and I told him that I wanted to produce a bin, and uh, we didn't know where to start, and I just kind of Googled, and Alibaba came up, and uh, with Alibaba, you can tell them exactly what you're looking for, and then people start bidding for your business. And I kind of just went with the first one, um, and it wasn't that great. Um, so if you guys are thinking about producing down the pins, uh, do some research. And I would suggest that if there are makers who you love their pins, just you know reach out to them to see if maybe they can help you out about getting you know with getting a manufacturer. I know I give my manufacturer out to whoever asks, and I know some people are real secretive, like no, that's my manufacturer. All the but, time, I get that. I ask right. about patches, and people won't tell me who to do. I do that to everyone, and the reason why, I go, let them know Phil sent you, because I get a better relationship with my manufacturer. <laughs> and they're always, you know, emailing me, oh, thank you so much for that referral, I appreciate it, and, you know, now they're doing better things for me, because they know that I'm hooking them up with people. Um, but definitely, you know, do your research, because there are a lot of bad manufacturers out there. Um, Everything that I do, and I'm pretty sure, sorry, I'm pretty sure everyone on the panel uh, gets their pins produced overseas. Um, so there are a lot of middlemen that you will deal with. Um, so we call them dealers. So you know they could be based in the U.S., but they're actually still getting everything manufactured uh, overseas and charging you three times, four times as much. Um, but if you're going factory direct and you know a good factory, that's that's a good way to go to get your pins manufactured cheaper. The thing in the U.S. too is I tried to find a manufacturer in the U.S. and I found middlemen. Even if you straight ask them, like, are these being made in the U.S., they won't answer you straight. I do so, not know. Sorry to cut you yeah, off. I, I no. do not know one uh, plant in the U.S. that manufactures uh, metal and metal pins. No, I, mean, they, I don't think they exist. Pins, which is yeah, just like a plastic clear acrylic, and there are, you know, I think PVC maybe in the U.S., which is like the rubber, but metal pins. I don't think there's any plant in the U.S. that produces this. No, no, there's not. <laughs> Jack, you want to uh, start us walk through how you go from your art, from your design to creating an pin? What's your process? Yeah, um, so first when I you know, think of what I'm working with, some I draw, some I have a couple other female artists that I partner with, um, and I will kind of you know, work on my collaborative process, get the design going, and then I will take the art and transfer it into a pin. Um, a pin, the lines on the pin are metal. So anywhere two colors can't touch, so kind of pin art is a little bit of a different than like a you know paper drawing would be. So there's a little bit of a you know transferring that, making sure colors are touching, things like that. Um, and then I also am working with my same manufacturer almost all the whole time, been with her for about five years. So I have a good relationship with her. So her and I kind of know she knows my style, what I like, and she's like, oh, do you want to do this color glitter? I got a new glitter for you. And I'm like, perfect, thank you. So kind of do do things like that. Now, are you you talk about your art, but some people might just have an idea. Do you guys all design your own art, or do you outsource it? Because I know I can't. I'm not an artist. I might have a concept, and I'll have to reach out to something maybe on Fiverr, or maybe in some other other way to get my art produced. Do you guys all design your own art? I draw. For the for the yeah. most part, um, I'd say I think a lot of us. Uh, it's. We all have like full-time jobs. I don't want to speak for everyone, but for me, I have a full-time job, so it's hard to find the time to like design things. So when I started Warrior Pins, I was going to Fiverr and um, giving them the idea, sketching it out, and then you know letting them design it. So I have like a, a vector file that I can send my manufacturer and then get the pins produced. Um, but then you know costs like that just start to add up, and you 
get better at your craft. And so now, you know, now I'm designing everything myself. But, it, you know, time is of the essence. Not everyone has the time to sit down and, like, perfect all their designs. So there's nothing wrong with going to Fiverr or outsourcing, uh, you know, these designs for, for other people. If you can get it done great, cheap, not necessarily cheap, but, like, saving time and stuff like that, then that's, that's a good route to go. But if you have the time to design pins, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, well, uh, what surprised you, what surprise did you encounter when you first started making pins? Uh, when I first started making pins, yeah. um, like, are you, like, is there any like, uh, uh, like, um, where I'm making a kind of like bumps in the road kind of? Or, or yeah, did you encounter what things did you encounter that surprised you when you first started? When you said you got your design ready, and, I mean, because there's a lot of things that I know, like when I've done mine, some of the colors were off, or yeah. some of the different things weren't exactly how I planned it. And it came back, and I'm like, well, yeah. damn, I'm stuck with 100 of these. <laughs> Did you encounter any of those type of things when you started pin producing? Uh, well, um, yeah, a, a lot <laughs> still. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, everything, I, uh, so I do all the artwork for my pins, and um, uh, pretty much, like, I, I, I'm self-taught. I learned how to draw since I was very little, and then I just kind of taught myself how to use Illustrator, then Procreate once I learned that it existed. <laughs> and, uh, but I also had a lot of problems in the beginning with like sizing. Just uh, I, I would kind of give them like one size, and I expected them to be to all look kind of like to scale. And um, I just did that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, stuff like yeah, and then um, I also didn't really. Uh, I'm not very, I didn't really learn a lot of uh, color theory, so I didn't know that I had to really pick the specific Pantones that I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, oh, uh, that area is red, that area is green. Yeah. And they kind of just went, okay, and they picked the colors they wanted. <laughs> um, but um, I mean, you, it's a learning process and it's all tri trial and error. I mean, like I said, we've been doing this now for six years. And uh, I mean, I still have batches where I'm like, wow, I did something totally wrong. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I know some of you guys are, uh, you guys have booths here. Mm -hmm. But can you talk about the other ways to sell your pens? Like, is it just online? Or is it, can you uh, Instagram, those type of outlets? For, yeah. for me, so again, five years ago, I started this when Instagram was a great platform, like amazing. <laughs> and now the algorithm and everything Instagram is on way down. It's really hard, you know, to get people to, to catch, you know, your page unless you're doing reels like five times a day. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Phil likes to dance in his uh, <laughs> that's how he gets his uh, viewers up. Um, but you know, now that it's really hard and Instagram just wants your money because so you pay ads, um, yeah. the best way to promote for me, and I'm speaking you know, for me, is to do in show person. Um, sorry, shows in person. So go do events and shows. Um, people could actually see your stuff in person, they get to meet you, they get to mingle with you, hang out with you, and uh, it's just a great way to, um, you know, just. Uh, show people your stuff and get it out there is some yeah, and another one too is uh, virtual shows. So Phil and I actually have a show on a, another platform called Pop Shop Live, and we run. Uh, we just did one last week actually, and it's almost like bringing the convention into your home. You stream it from your like smartphone. Yeah, and and so we make an entertaining show. It's me, Phil, and another colleague of ours uh, by the name of Carlos from Data Crew, and it's three of our brands, and we just have fun. Um, 
we try to engage the audience because you know sometimes when we first started we're doing like for five hours and we're like dude this this is too much yeah all of us have been yeah so it's like one of those platforms so that's one way i always look at instagram as a tool not the tool social media is not the the answer it's it's so many different other things like um newsletters flyers mailers whatever you could think of like the old-fashioned way networking becoming friends with other pin makers you know like that's like one way to kind of still get your name out there collaborations i've collaborated i think with almost everyone on this panel you know like a little bit yeah a few followers because i collab with miguel yeah it's just (laughs) (laughs) don't listen to him anyways (laughs) but yeah we we you know it's just that that kind of stuff where you you're just looking for different avenues you will feel defeated many times because i've been there where i just like this sucks i'm not gonna uh, forget it and just throw it away and i go through this like endless cycle of like abuse and torture but i still remind myself and ground myself it's like it's this is this is supposed to be fun not something where i need to take you know i, I know i need to like for example like i i know that that there's um goals that i need to reach but I'm part of in this process in this journey and I'm still reaching my goal even though it goes up and down and that's okay that's I always say it's okay and uh, I do my best that's what it is I haven't done I don't know if anyone here has done his wholesale so like if you have like a series of animal pins like you could approach the San Diego Zoo to like buy them in a batch and they sell it in their gift shops and stuff like that so I'm hoping to do this, but I mean, there, there's another avenue that, like, maybe yeah, could, yeah, create applies. revenue. Yeah, yeah. I I go with a, a wholesaler called Dispersed, and they actually oh, have all my pins in the convention right now. And also, um, they have a huge uh, platform for people that are looking for wholesale pins to go in their catalog and you know check pins out. Or, I mean, all kinds of stuff. They have toys and everything, but a huge section is pins. And I mean, my pins have gotten into some big stores like across the U.S., which is really cool. So uh, Miguel gave a lot of good strategy and marketing tips. What are some of the marketing tips or strategies that you guys employ to uh, grow your brand? Personally, uh, I, I know, like I said, I do a lot of Star Wars pins. Uh, so we 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 really uh, one of the main things we did was kind of like. But yeah, one of the things we did was uh, we really inserted ourselves ourselves into the like the Star Wars community, more of like the fandom and like uh, you know not just uh, within the pin community. So if you have like another niche aside from the enamel pin community, like if you uh, are making Marvel inspired pins or anything like that, uh, uh, we networked a lot with uh, like the uh, Star Wars uh, like reposting page, like pages like Star Wars Daily is one of the biggest ones. Uh, like 400,000 followers and like a lot of these pages that uh, share a lot of other people's art and uh, content related to whatever theme it is. Um, so, um, and it was just, like I said, it was networking. Uh, it was just as simple as a DM. And I said, hey, uh, I love your page. Uh, do you mind if I send you a couple pins and you share them? 
And um, it, granted, it took him a little while to respond, but <laughs> once he did, um, he ended up loving them. I sent him a few, he posted them, and uh, we got a bunch of sales, followers, uh, followers that we have to, even to this day. Uh, so I think networking is one of the biggest things, uh, even with pages like that that necessarily aren't in Animal Pins, pin related, but yeah. I think a lot of these people who want to create Animal Pins will find that very interesting that networking is important. And seeing these people, these uh, creators up here, and these people who you want to network, as Bill said, he's clapped with some of these people as well. Bill said he's clapped with a few of you guys. But I think it's very important to uh, bring, when you bring your art, you need to open your mind and keep it to different people that you can work with. Hey, Phil, what are some of the things you would like to tell me to avoid on a mistake you may have made in the past? Um, just, you know, again, going back to what we spoke on before is getting those colors right. So uh, I'm not a Pantone guy. I don't deal with Adobe Illustrator. Um, I draw everything on my iPad. I send it out to the manufacturer and they always send me a proof back. Um, and then I'll go on my computer and kind of look at the different colors to make sure they're matching okay. And I'm like, I actually go and look for, you know, light gray Pantone and I go through all of them just to make sure that the colors are okay. Because there's been a couple times where you're so excited about a pin, and now, um, you know, before we used to get pins back in like two or three weeks. Now, for me, it's taken over a month to get them produced. So you're waiting for this pin that you're so excited about, you know, and it finally comes to your doorstep all the way from China. You open it up, and the color is wrong, and it's too dark or something. You're just, you know, just it, that just really bums me out. What would you do in that case? Um, <laughs> I, I used to change the cell. I don't know myself, so you know, I, it really bothers me, but it probably wouldn't bother someone who really didn't know the original design to begin with. Um, yeah. And another other mistake I made, as I think um, someone down there, oh, Eric Bell, I think you're talking about um, sizing. So I did a couple of uh, Star Wars pins, um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a trooper, and I'm going to be a Vader, and I made them the same size. And they're both, you know, like an inch and you know three quarters. But Vader had like a neck, you know, and you know his tongue, and then Vader just looked so small compared to that trooper, <laughs> even though they were the same size. And I had to remake the Vader. So, and keep in mind when you are doing these pins, I know some manufacturers they might let you do fifty, but for the most part, it's a hundred pieces you need to do. Yeah. So, if there's a mistake, you have a hundred mistakes. Yeah. You want to make sure you cross your T's and you dot your I's. Yeah. You know, you want to make sure that you're reading all these emails back and forth. You're typing them very carefully. Like everyone's saying, you're, you're talking with someone overseas, so the time difference, you know, is can be, like, pretty tricky. Yeah. Hours going back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Early hours, like 2, 3 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But you want to make sure you take the time to, to, to get everything right because, you know, rather it do it in one day versus, I don't know, wait 30 days and you got a batch of pins that you... You know, don't, yeah, are wrong and not how you wanted them to be. Sometimes so. you have to really look at the proofs too because yep. I work in a little bit more fine detail. So I've had them where they haven't filled an eye color or something like that. <laughs> so you have missing specks of pieces. Or like I think I had a pin that the eyebrows weren't filled and it looked weird. <laughs> so luckily the manufacturer, since I'm in good graces with them, they actually replace those for free, nice. which is good. But Nonetheless, yeah. it's still one of those things that they're, they can always be like, you signed off on this proof, it's final, you have 100 bad things, mm -hmm. sorry. I and that's happened before, so. I can actually tell you one that doesn't have anything to do with designing the pin that I literally was answering an email for this morning. It's my first time with a new manufacturer because I'm trying to make cork boards. I sent my address. They're like, yeah, it's shipped, it's there. I'm like, it's not here. 
It turns out my address is an exact match for an address in Hong Kong. <laughs> and when I had sent my address to them, I didn't put USA. Only I didn't put USA. So you put like but I put California. <laughs> yeah, the code. And it all, my, my number, my apartment number, it turned out it was a mall in Hong Kong. The apartment number was the store. The zip code matched the zip code. So like when they say dot your I's and cross your T's, not just with the pin design. So now I'm paying an extra $200 Out. to get it, the shipping re mm, to here. Right. <laughs> so yeah. about everything, dot your T's with everything or cross your T's with everything. Yeah. <laughs> when did this turn from, or is it still a hobby? Uh, when did it become a hobby to a business? Um, so uh, Bella and I actually do this full time and uh, it started like everyone here as a hobby. Um, we, we started by, you know, when we first started dating, we would go to Disneyland, pin trade, and, uh, uh, and just kind of, uh, we started making fantasy pins, uh, just for fun, just, uh, to have something to trade, uh, but not just for that, but like, these designs that we were making, we wanted, it was like something we wanted, and, um, but, you know, I, I think some of the advice that I would, uh, I was gonna, uh, talk about was, I, we see a lot of people kind of filter through the pin community and uh, mm -hmm. good, talented people. But I feel like uh, sometimes people don't really know what to expect when they're making pins. They'll make one pin and they're like, okay, I won't make another one until it sells out or something like that. And, um, you know, that's not very realistic. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not a good design or that it's not a good uh, or that you're not a good artist or, that, or anything like that. It's just, you know, it takes time. And uh, I honestly, the best thing I could say is, is just stay consistent. Just keep going. Um, you know, you're going to make one pin first and then you're going to make another one. And as, as long as you keep going, it's going to keep growing. And people are going to find you. You don't need to go out and find the, peop the, the people that will like your stuff, that are going to be your fans, that are going to be obsessed with what you make. They're going to find you. So, um, I mean, it just, it just... It gets there eventually. <laughs> but like anything you try, like you may do it and find out you don't like some aspects of it and it's not worth doing. Like that's totally like valid oh, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course. I'm just saying. Of course. No, no, no. Of course. Like, well, everyone, I'm like just saying don't get discouraged. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't get discouraged. Yeah. That's the message. Everyone here probably has old pins still sitting somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah things yeah. that just still yeah. haven't sold, like yeah. still sitting around five years later yeah. or four years later yeah. where you're yeah. like, those yeah. are the pins I'm giving away later. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky y'all. <laughs> yeah, for me, I'm still in the hobby-ish phase of it where like, I'm making pins that I like but aren't necessarily selling. So, I mean, I, I was fortunate in one of my first pins, uh, 100 run just blew out the door the first, first time I bat. Then I quickly learned the second and third time, like, wow, I'm still sitting on all these goddamn pins. <laughs> like, nobody wants something uh, that's, that's uh, based in the 70s. It's the only one. But I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it, it just, it, I think, I um, uh, don't even want to say that. But anyway, so I think everyone here is looking to create pins. Uh, I think it would be a good time to start taking some questions. If you guys have any questions, well, there you go. It's number one. Uh, so a lot of you guys are doing pop culture pins, and I was just curious how, like, the IP works with that. Like, is there, like, some copyright notice you guys have to send, or how do you guys navigate that? So um, I'll, I'll speak. Um, we do fantasy pins, uh, which is fan art. Um, so 
you go to the convention floor right now, you're seeing everyone do fan art. You're seeing everyone do um, artist alley to what? Yeah, it's just and, a different medium. Yeah, the yeah. only thing is, is our art is on metal, and um, so I always do my own twist on my pins. I'm not carbon copying a Vader. I'm like really doing like my own design on it and putting my own twist on it and really making it mine. Even though Lucas owns it, it's my design. Um, they have not hit me up yet, and if they did, I'd be flattered if they did. No, yeah, I, I, I definitely, it's, it, everyone here makes original art. It's all, like you said, it's fan art. And um, what's crazy to also think about, a lot of these official uh like comic book artists start off as fan artists uh, if you really you know if you really look back and uh, to like the beginning of their careers and it's pretty uh pretty impressive <laughs> i've seen some smaller companies do uh pins that aren't necessarily giant stuff so mm -hmm. one of my friends did Coraline pins and mm. they got popped yeah oh yeah so there is always that aspect of if you pick a fandom, somebody yeah. out there might be paying attention, and they might come for you. Warner Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I would say be careful for sure. No, yeah, definitely be careful. Yeah. I, I, I feel like a lot of what uh, really gets, um, if, if you ever get in trouble or the people that do get in trouble, it's usually the people that are straight up copying something that's already made, like official mm -hmm. merch or art or like a screenshot, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, like yeah. everything we make is original art. Yeah. I always told myself that if, uh, you know, Viacom, whoever like came down like knocking on my door, considered that a win. Because like they recognize me and I got it on their radar and I'm like that's cool and it's it's a, it, it, you know it's still very much like a side hustle for me something that I do on the side so uh, I found immense success already I mean we're here on at a panel at San Diego Comic Con talking about pins so I mean if I got that pick slip like tomorrow like, I would consider everything a like win. A, a win yeah all the way back. Oh, yeah. I I've really never uh, heard an answer as to what the difference is yeah, between cloisonne and just hard enamel, <laughs> but I think it's just a fancy word. <laughs> Don't call me. Don't call me. Um, so, with doing different series, they're necessarily, you know, like in two different fandoms or oh, just, just kind of, you know, in terms of making more pins, is there a benefit to doing a sidestep to a different idea of fandom versus okay, well here's my first wave of Star Wars pins, here's a second wave now. I get Oh, I see what well, you're saying. I guess I can answer this. Because I have a series called Interlock, so my pins all connect together. And if you've ever seen what I do, it's basically one long line of the Star Wars pins. And I do them as uh, individual pins and then they create sets. So I did like the Bounty Hunters, or I've done the Cantina Aliens, but each of those sets actually connects as well. So I have to do like a lot of planning along the way, and I actually design out the whole set before I even do anything else, because each one is basically a puzzle piece that I have to make sure fits the next piece. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing seven pins at a time when I do my designs, and then when I start the next set, I do the exact same thing. So it's kind of a lot of pre-planning 
and you hope that the manufacturer hits their marks as well because if something looks janky you'll know right away so yeah it's, 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 it's just about you know kind of finding you know again your niche, your niche yeah. and, and what people are into uh, my daughter and i actually created these original harkins uh it was called kato spirit and we just like you know i just went to my daughter who at the time i think she was nine she's 13 now and i was like uh you know what do you want to get into this because she was always fascinated when i was making pins and she was like I want, to, I want to start helping you, Dad. I was like, okay, well, what would you be into? And she's like, cotton candy. I'm like, okay, what was I saying? So we did like a llama with, that was like cotton candy. And she's like, you know, how about we do um, a unicorn popsicle? I'm like, okay, because this is what kids are going to be into, right? And we all original art, and I'm going off of a kid. And, uh, you know, we kind of just, you know, started coming up with all these ideas of food with animals. And, uh, dude, we, and she had her own little company, which is called Pale Spirit. Like, and, and, and you just got to kind of find, you know, what, what you know, you want to do that idea and just make it into a series, you know? I think um, because if one's going to do well, you know the others are going to do okay. Um, I think when initially making a series, though, like, I have a series called Home Sweet Home. The concept is just, like, how would hobbits decorate their front door for milestones or the holidays like we do? Um, but I think when you want to do a series, if... I'm at the point now where the series is like well enough established where I'm literally trying to keep up with doing one a month and uh, sometimes I don't keep up but like people know the series is there so initially when I started it I at least had three so when I could show it people like right away grasp the concept that this was becoming a series so they're more willing to like engage in it because they knew they could collect more as like the months went by but if I only had one they'd be like well that's just a hobbit door pin and they would like disengage from it. So I think initially, like kind of with a lot of things, three is a little bit the magic number. Um, when you, if you want to initially launch, and then like once a month after that, like go. And I have a series of I do a bunch of hairstyles as pins. Um, so I started with Star Wars, but now I have people being like, um, a new episode dropped. Can you do this person's hair as a pin? So I will. I've just started kind of branching out because the series is hair. So anyone with beautiful hair, like Eddie Munson, would be a <laughs> So I kind of have my series, and then I just pick and choose the best hair and all this stuff to make it. Jackie, I still need that uh, Miguel hair. I'll bring it to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I made mean, Miguel's hair as a pin because look at his hair. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> really, yeah, was a surprise. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to beat her up here. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, see, you, there's, a, there's a pin for everything. I mean, if Miguel's hair can be a pin, that would be the next year's exclusive. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, okay, Richard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever copyright your own? You stuff like your daughter's own. I don't, uh, just because uh, it's just a lot of lawyer, you know, a lot of lawyer work and, you know, going back and forth, you know, um, but I have not, um, I, I, I personally have not copyrighted my own stuff. Um, I don't think I'm big enough, you know, to do that. Um, it's, you know, I've had my stuff copied before and people will, like, you know, send me a, um, uh, a link on Etsy, for instance, and it's my exact pin. And I'm like, well, what can I do? You know, it's just like, I'm not big enough to like make a big fuss about it. You know, when I produce pins, I do small runs. I don't do, I'm not mass producing all over the country or the world. So it, 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 it's fine with me. If you want to redo my pin, like, go for it. <laughs> so like on a tangent, like if you go through overseas, like how do you know they're not back to all that stuff? They could be. And then you don't know. And again, you know, if you, if you do have that copyright, you still need to deal with all that legal work. You know, it's just like then you need to go to the how, how you gonna you know uh, get a hold of the manufacturer. You don't even know the manufacturer, 
you know, because you're seeing it on Etsy, you're seeing it in all these different, you know, you have no idea where they are. And I actually um, reached out to one person, and I was like, where did you get this pin? Because it's not mine, and it's a real crappy version of it. <laughs> and uh, they said Alibaba Express. So there's no way of me finding that. Yeah. Okay, more questions? Yes, sir. You guys got to spill beans on who you manufacture? Absolutely, yeah. You come see us after the yeah, show, or, or, or me. You know, definitely. <laughs> kind of, you know, I, I've used um, about four four manufacturers for different things. So I, have, you know, I have a manufacturer that does all my three D work. I have a manufacturer that does all my framework, and yeah. So yeah, come see me after. The show. I will say when thinking about getting manufacturer though, just because like that manufacturer works well for him doesn't mean it will work yeah. well for you. Yeah. Like. I would highly recommend when you're looking, look at each company's full catalog of pins and see if it fits your style because what works for one designer may not work for everyone. Um, so don't think it's a winner just because yeah. someone some you follow is using it, but yeah. I have a question for the audience. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone here collects pins or at least is somewhat interested in pins. How many of you keep the backing cards? Oh wow! No. All right, just checking. Do you realize sometimes it's part of the artwork we put in? Because it's, it's part of the artwork. Like yeah. my backings will portray whatever you're selling. Like for example, yeah. I have many collections of many different ones. Primarily BB-8. I like to dress them up in stupid stuff, but I also like to change the backers to fit the theme of it. There you go. There's one. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll change the themes up every single time. I I just like. I feel like the whole thing is the art piece, from top to bottom. I keep even the ones I buy from other artists. I love everything about it. So if they even put thought into it, if it's part of like the pin and you know whatever it is, um, it's it's just. For me, I, I love keeping the backers. I get angry when I get one that's still in the plastic bag. Somebody <laughs> just got it from the, from the manufacturer, and they basically mailed it to your house, and I open up the bag, and it's I just will say that's me, though. In the plastic oh, no. I used to do the backing cards, but I'm only one person, and I have a full-time job, and I couldn't keep up with it anymore, so then I made envelopes. So everyone that raised Yeah, I just cannot. You keep all your phone pops in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play with anything. <laughs> you So uh, I, a lot of people here have been with their manufacturers for the entirety of the time that they've been making pins. I have actually had some pretty bad experiences, um, which shouldn't scare you. <laughs> you know, it's, again, it's part of the learning process. But uh, one of the biggest things I definitely always look for is uh, quality, turnaround time, and um, just communication, honestly. Um, but uh, I definitely do recommend at least uh, you know if you're gonna start, go through Alibaba. They have their like buyer protection stuff like that. Um, before I used to go directly through the manufacturer, which is also fine if you you know you find someone who is uh, honest and trustworthy. Uh, but I have had some nightmares. <laughs> but yeah, communication is key. Yes, yeah, sorry. For, for me, some, more, but sorry. Sorry for me. Sometimes what I do is. I actually pay more money to get the proof of a sample of what I want. So if I do moving pins, 
which I love doing like moving pins mechanics, figuring that out. I did this like really cool gear. So when it one wing opens, the other wing would pop up and we asked for like three or four molds. I, I'll pay it because I wanna make sure that it's something that is quality. When someone gets it, they're gonna be like, oh, this is cool and it's super innovative. It's also something that I haven't seen anyone else do. So I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, nice. And uh, yeah, you could always ask for samples. You could even ask for samples if they've done it before somewhere else or, and to mail you some, you know, like those are, those are the things that you can do so you could see quality, quality in, in that way. Yeah, this has happened to me. Um, so I just want you guys to make sure that if you are going to go off, like for instance, if you want my manufacturer uh, info, look at all my pins, look at all of them, and just kind of scope them out because I have gotten a manufacturer. I, I use a, a lot of manufacturers, probably like a dozen throughout the five years. And at the beginning, they want your business, so you might get very good looking pin. And then they start getting a little bit lazy. Yeah. And then they get a little lazy because they know that they got them, right? There's this like, you know, it's, it's kind of like being in a, you're like in a relationship. Again, those manufacturers, they want your business, so they will produce a great pen at the beginning, and then all of a sudden they start getting a little sloppy with their work, and you know, you're back to square one again. So yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that was my issue. Oh, a, bunch so, of them, a bunch of them have Instagram profiles too. So you can see yeah. a bunch there and you think they would lie, but I've been on a couple of them and I was like, oh, I would never post that. But some of them, some of them like put it. So then you can, like, you'll like you know right away too. Yeah, and if you yeah, reach out to the manufacturers, you're definitely going to get hit up via email or DMs. Like, yeah, I get them all the time on my Instagram. Yeah. 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 Try me, try me. Oh, I block Instagram. all of them. I block all of them. <laughs> And bags. <laughs> That's I Gail. Knew I Gail. recognized you. I was like, oh, wait. Gail's a wonderful artist. Like, yes. you should see her stuff. She's here too. Aren't you here? Don't you have an artist alley here? Well, she should. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but she's a tremendous artist. I cannot tell you. Like, I'm so impressive with all the things, that, the techniques, everything that she does, her original artwork. I'm just letting you know, you know we've got a lot of fans. My, my struggle is this, I'm, I'm a one-man band, 
So uh, that struggle for me, you know, even getting ready for a show um, takes me like two weeks. You know, packing the pins, I package everything myself, put the backing parts on, put them in plastic, you know, get my displays ready and all that. Um, so just, you know, going to a show is kind of hard for me, you know, by myself. Um, but what I see in the future is, you know, I want to do a lot more uh, original art, you know, and I know that you know, when you do original art, a lot of people aren't going to connect to it because it's not fan-based. Um, but that's where I want to go. I want to start doing my own things. I actually got a few designs rolling right now, and I want to get to the point where people are just enjoying my original designs uh, as much as my fan stuff. I'm gonna echo that one man struggle. It's just, cause you gotta wear a bunch of different hats. You gotta, you know, you gotta be the marketer. You gotta be the content creator. You gotta, you gotta know how to work Etsy, Shopify, all that stuff. It's, it's a struggle. A lot of uh, late nights. Um, I started a podcast called Pin Pals Podcast where I talked podcast. to, yeah, <laughs> Phil was on there. We had Miguel and Mike on there. Um, we'll have everyone else on this panel. Um, <laughs> on the podcast soon. <laughs> but, you know, we, we just talk about these struggles together. Um, and one thing that Miguel mentioned during his episode is that um, we're not gatekeepers. We're not trying to keep all this information. We kind of just open the door to anyone who wants information. Like, the manufacturer, we're not going to withhold that information. You know, we'll share that with you. And we'll share the struggles and we'll share kind of what works for us and, you know, maybe suggestions on what, what might work for you. Um, so just reaching out to other, you know, pin makers and just having a conversation can kind of help alleviate some of these things or, you know, find solidarity in the struggle. <laughs> I am also a one-woman band, which is why I got rid of backing cards. Because <laughs> I also have a full-time job. I think my one... Hope it's... <laughs> I think my one goal that I would really like is to go full-time eventually. I'm in this weird in-between where I'm having to stay up till 2 a.m. to pack. And then, thank God, I have, like, a little bit work from home now, thanks to COVID. So that's given me a little bit of time back. Um, but a past, like, growing the business to go full-time... Um, one of my bigger goals is to do more like fundraiser pins to give back to the community. Um, Cause I started, I have a, um, a lock rabbit at home. He's like seven years old. And um, so I know a lot about like how much rabbits are given up for adoption because they're not like beginner friendly pets. So I started a pin collection purely based on him. And every month we donate like half of the proceeds to like a rabbit um, uh, charity kind of that rescues rabbits. So I'd really like to, expand more to raise money to get back to like um, organizations like I believe in and causes like I believe in so yeah all right folks as we begin to start wrapping up uh want to go through and uh, give a shout out to where you're at and where people can find you uh it's collectivecreations.com it's really confusing I know <laughs> see me after the panel I'll definitely give you all my Instagram information and all that good stuff and yeah let's mingle yes I'm at 19 pins everywhere easy um, on Instagram and on Etsy, uh, blank slate design. I'm on everything except Etsy. Um, <laughs> Kimchi Creative, Creative with the K. Pretty much everywhere at Warrior Pins on all the social medias, and uh, my podcast is at Pin Pals Podcast, and it's available wherever you can listen to podcasts. Uh, uh, Instagram and uh, TikTok is Punchatui Press. We're on Twitter as well, Punchatui77. And uh, we don't have an Etsy, but we have our own website, uh, punchatuipress.com. And your booth number. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're sharing a booth. <laughs>
here at Comic Con, eleven thirty-four. And uh, mine is at at bbcreate um, on all platforms, um, and also bbcreate.com, and you can find us here as well at eleven thirty-four. Uh, come visit the booth; um, it's fun. Okay, with a little bit more punch, though. Like it's fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can hear it in his voice. He's having a lot of fun. He's having a long weekend. <laughs> And I'm at PopCultureCool.com. Yeah, Thank you guys for coming out. Let's give a round of applause. Thank you. 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 Thank you